Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Drop Temp Coffee podcast. This is Tim Howard and Carrie Elliott. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. We are super proud and excited to introduce our very first official sponsor. I want to say thank you to Brandon Miller, the uh, the main driving force at Primo Coffee Roasting Equipment. Brandon has been owning this company now for four years and uh, builds everything domestically, all USA, built while parts sourced from Granger. Go figure. Easy to find parts to replace. He's a great guy. If anybody needs anything out there, if you need a roaster, you should definitely call him. Well worth it. Custom colors, too. Who knew? Who knew? How nice is that roaster? Well, When I saw it, I mean, my jaw dropped. It's just so amazing how well primo took the time and the effort to really detail everything and it's just a beautiful machine well and uh, i'll tell you everyone else can expect that too thank you very much brandon thank you primo roasting equipment we appreciate you we appreciate you well i'll tell you what carrie thanks for letting me get through all that you want to do a little introduction for us yes i would love to introduce our first guest on the podcast she is the president of the Oregon Coffee Board. She is also the Green Coffee Sales Manager for the West Coast for Genuine Origin. She is a former barista trainer, and she's an all-around amazing person. So let's give it up for Jen Hurd. Welcome, Jen. Welcome. Shucks, I don't know what I'm supposed to say after that, but thank you for the kind words. uh, Well, you know, it's easy to do. Welcome aboard, Jen. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure. Oh, you're so welcome. I've known Jen for a cool minute now. Tim and Jen have known each other for longer, but one of the amazing things that I found out about Jen is that her and I have a common love for garbage. Yes, we do. Yeah, Shirley Manson for the win. Lifelong crush. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, indeed. Well, I also want to say anybody that can sing along with the psychedelic furs is A-OK with me. You will also find a lot of a lot of post-punk and new romantic in my library. Yeah, God bless that. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, Jen, you got to talk about the mug that you brought in. It is so cool, guys. Uh, it is. Can you describe the mug to everybody? So this is from Ladro Roasting, and my friend Ryan is the head roaster there. And he posted a picture of this fellow Tumblr on his Instagram, and it's a riff on the London Calling album cover by The Clash, but it's Ladro Calling, and it's adorable. So thank you, Ryan. Oh, yeah, man. Brian, great job. I love it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I got to have one. But I'm like, control yourself, woman. Control yourself. <laughs> how many tumblers? How many travel yes. mugs? Right, yeah, right. I'm, I, I'm not allowed to bring any more coffee mugs or coffee travelers back at home because I have a huge collection of it. Is that why you keep that box in the roastery? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows about this. All right, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> Mine is uh, black t-shirts uh, and yeah. coffee yeah. company t-shirts, and I bought so many that I was buying them for my husband, and then he said, you have to stop buying coffee t-shirts. <laughs> you know, I, I'm i on the same boat with you. Yeah, black t-shirts, uh-huh. and uh, I can't help but buy a t-shirt from a local coffee yep. roaster, you know? Especially when it's good artwork. No, exactly. Of of course, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, I have a weakness for sports t-shirts. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, all right, I'll tell you what. Let's dig in, okay. shall we? Let's get to it. So, Jen, 
there are a couple of things we want to talk mm-hmm. about today. We really would like you to explain to us supply chain. Oh, supply chain. Supply chain. chain. Uh, and related issues with that because there are many people out there who just don't understand how that affects us. But the second part of that is we would really like to talk to you about new methods of sustainability yeah. and how that's affecting things. So tell us a little bit about supply chain. Supply so, chain. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Uh, as you mentioned, I handle West Coast sales for Gen- Genuine origin. We're an importing arm of Wolf Cafe Specialty, which is a very large trading house that's been around since the 1800s. We're also fortunate to source about 80% of our coffees through our own sister operations at Origin. So that's kind of the perspective I'll come from. And, and this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of people because I think even on as you move through from roastery through to the front of house, everybody doesn't understand what's happening, even though it's hitting us in like all aspects of our life, right? Right. I had to buy a washer last year. It took months. Like supply chain issues are hitting everything. So if if we work backwards, somebody has to harvest coffee. Somebody has to take care of those those sweet little baby coffee bushes. We've had issues with staffing on farms whether it is COVID related or there have been various political situations. You know, we saw some issues in Colombia. There have been ongoing issues in Ethiopia. Those impact, and those are larger than COVID. So that's been one issue. Once we get the coffee harvested and milled and processed, then we got to get it on a boat. Right. Right. Which means we need containers. And they have been in short supply. And... Sometimes when we can find them, they're exponentially more expensive to book than they have been historically. So that's... Right. And that's what we've been hearing, Mm -hmm. um, not only from your company, Mm -hmm. but we've been also hearing from our direct trade uh, partners. We've been hearing from other green coffee Mm -hmm. importers and exporters, the same situation. I was hearing that there has been kind of like auction style when it came to those containers where people are getting outbid Mm -hmm. for the spots on the containers. And that has been really, really huge. Well, yeah, when we don't have enough people to unload containers, Mm -hmm. and so we have Uh. containers sitting and waiting, then we don't have new empty containers to refill. So we've hit a bottleneck there. Then you get into the cost issue. I know for us, the most difficult have been Brazil and Peru. I also know last year, Indonesia was a major struggle for us. And that's one of the few places we no longer have an operation. Getting coffees out of there took months longer than we planned because containers in Asia, I mean, with Ho- and also with Ho Chi Minh being shut down for a while, it was rough. So those have been issues we're waiting to see. It's still early to see what things are going to look like for this year because a lot of our our centrals are just beginning that process. Could you take a second and explain centrals to people who might not know? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Sure. So centrals would be our Central American coffees. So we're talking Guatemala, Honduras, Costa Rica, those, those classic staples that we need. Like right now, I was talking to the boss this morning about what we're getting from Honduras and Guatemala. And it's just too early to see if we're going to hit hurdles in the shipping of those. So you really are unstable in the orders that are coming in and the coffees you're going to be seeing. That's why we have those those little talks. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I hope that it won't be as bad as last year, but we're all in kind of uncharted waters. You know, if you made a list of the top 100 things I would encounter in my 40 years on this earth so far. 22 years. (laughs) uh, This would not, like, the pandemic and the bottleneck that we have experienced with supply chain, 
would not have been on my top 100 things just ever in a million years. So once we get the coffee finally on a container, yay, the coffee's on the water. For people that don't know, coffee gets shipped on boats. Yes. We're not air freighting coffee around. That's way too expensive. So once the coffee gets on a boat, we got to get it to a port, which we need bodies to unload it. And if you've been following the news with LA and Seattle and seeing how those ports have been so backed up, I know some people won't even ship to Seattle anymore. It's It's been rough. Oh, it's been that bad in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize how bad it was in mm-hmm. Seattle. I knew... I knew Los Angeles was bad. Yeah. Um, I knew Long Beach was mm-hmm. bad. Oakland. And, uh, Oakland is bad. Yeah. Oakland's bad. Yeah. Um, and so much coffee goes through there. I right. know. Oh, I know. you know, another thing, speaking of the mm-hmm. ports, I've been hearing on the news too, this was probably like a couple of months ago, but they were talking about how some of the boats were getting routed to Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Has that been the case in your situation with coffees, you, your company sources? Not for us yet. We've talked about Houston, but we haven't moved forward with any of that yet because we have to look at the cost and what the additional cost would be to continue to move a coffee and then move it again because most of our stuff comes through Pennsylvania originally. And so to try and reroute or to get it into the country and then truck it down there is going to add a lot of cost. And so we're trying to balance cost and quality and pay farmers and be able to give you coffee at a price that that is still going to give you margin. This is the thing that's out there. I've, I've always subscribed to being able to make enough money to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I've always treated you with the respect that you deserve. Mm-hmm. But in this case, we've all seen a gigantic increase yeah. in wholesale costs of coffee. Absolutely. And that goes back to the market, right? Mm-hmm. Over the summer, we saw the market go from, what, 150 to two and a quarter in the span of a couple of weeks. Okay, so it's time to ask about C, mm-hmm. coffee. Okay. The commodity market for coffee. All right. So the commodity market is where those numbers were coming from. Correct. Okay. Could you give us a little explanation of commodities versus specialty? Yeah. So as you mentioned in one of your previous podcasts, right? Specialty starts at SCA score of 80. Yeah. I made a mistake on that two weeks ago. But you got it corrected. You well, I did correct you, it. That's what we do. We grow. We move on. Right. Right. Yeah. And so the majority of the coffee grown in the world is under that level, it's what we call commodity coffee or commercial coffee. So that's gonna be sold to mass market kind of stuff compared to specialty, which is a much smaller percentage. And that's what we get into for roasters like y'all. What we saw last year in the summer, there are a lot of things that impact the market, which is the base price that all coffee is negotiated on. So when we say the market's at a buck fifty, or perhaps today it closed at two thirty-eight and a half. Two thirty. I'm sorry. Wow. Two thirty-eight and, and a half. half. Uh-huh. I've never seen it that high. It was yeah. at two fifty a couple months or like a month ago. Wow. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why. That's why coffee said we're here. Yeah. We're actually going up. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. what you have to think about is yes, we all love coffee. Like, how many times have I said I do this because I love coffee and I love people? And I want to give back to my community what's been given to me. I can say it all day long. At the end of the day, it's still a business. Farmers need to make money and be able to take care of themselves and their families and communities. Importers need to be able to pay people like me to sell coffee. And yes, I'm a middleman, I know. And then you as roasters need to be able to make money off the coffee. And if you don't know what those numbers are, you're doing it wrong. But that's a different conversation. We both know. I know. 
You know we know. I know. Okay. But yeah, so what we saw last year, it was August, Brazil, who is the main producer of coffee in the world, had three major frosts. The market shot up. There's also been a drought. Also potential for lower production in Colombia and Brazil. There's also scarcity because of all these supply chain issues. I've heard about farms who have not been able to produce the same quality that they have in years past. We can't get coffee moved. This all impacts the price. Now, real quick, when we talk about the sea market, mm-hmm. from my understanding with the sea market mm-hmm. is that because Brazil is the biggest producer of coffee, mm-hmm. the sea market really focuses on what's happening with Brazil and whatever happens in Brazil affects the rest of the world when it comes to coffee production. It's a very, very big impact. Yeah. And I mean, even for us, Brazil is our biggest seller day to day. And I can be transparent about this because our prices are all right on our website. We, you know, Brazil that was two four. 47 last summer is now about a dollar above that. And we hold off as long as we can. But at the same time, if the market keeps going up, we have to do something or else the next time we bring that coffee in, it's $6 a pound because we didn't plan well. And that doesn't help you. No, as roasters, it's it's hard because it's a crazy time that we're living in. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with inflation. Mm -hmm. You're seeing rising costs when it like your washing machine, Mm -hmm. even at the grocery store, prices are going up. As us roasters, we try to do our best to not raise the prices, but... It comes to a point where we're kind of in a corner because we're facing all these challenges around the world. And we want to be able to support companies that support the farmers, Mm -hmm. like Genuine Origin. Mm -hmm. But we also have to support ourselves as business owners to be sustainable and be able to provide the best quality coffee that we've been consistently giving to our customers over and over. And unfortunately, that does have to come to raising prices yep um like for me the pivot that i had to make because of the sea market and everything else going up was at one point i was offering one pound bags of coffee but for my business what i had to shift into is offering 12 ounce bags of coffee and raising the price because number one is the sourcing i'm having like you were touching base with indonesia I'm i'm having a tough time sourcing coffee from sumatra there are a couple of coffees that I'm having some issues sourcing. And so to save my inventory that I had, for me, it made sense to shift to 12 ounce bags. And yeah, unfortunately, I had to raise the price on it. But I also have overhead costs mm-hmm. and other things. I It impacted me a lot. But you know what? At the end of the day, my customers come and support Elliot and Murray. They know that I always give a consistent roast every single time they come back because i'm able to keep my product consistent and they really really appreciate that they don't even blink an eye and i really appreciate and i'm very humbled with the customer base that i have that come and still support me it's it's been interesting and what about what about you tim well i have taken my direction slightly differently because we wanted to include free shipping for online orders. So what we did was we found a way to keep the cost down by offering contracts to the people who provide green coffee. Now for me, contracts mean that I agree to buy 
a certain amount of coffee at a certain price over a certain period of time. The thing about contracts is they come to an end. And then all of a sudden you have to deal with these price increases. And that's been happening recently. We had to see across the board a $2 increase to my one pound bags. I've always preferred to do a one pound bag. I've always preferred that's just personal preference. But we've been able to try to keep things down. My overhead is really in terms of paying rent and paying for supplies like bags. You know, those things actually cost money. So what I really want to do is just maintain... Mm -hmm a certain expected quality of coffee. The other part that I've done is I've changed a whole number of coffees and announced to people certain coffees aren't gonna be available to keep checking back. Mm -hmm. By the way, with that, Jen, I want to acknowledge the hard work that you've been doing for us. Oh, checks, thank no, you. No, it's appreciated, thank you. I feel very lucky to work with as many incredible coffee professionals around the country that I get to work with. but. You both made some notes that I think are worth hitting on. Regarding 12-ounce bags, to me, it's always like ice cream. Half gallon's not a half gallon. They downsized. And they sell it to you for the same price, and that's just what we do now. And I think it depends on your market. I don't necessarily think there's a 100% right answer on who needs to sell a 12-ounce or an 8-ounce or a 1-pound or a 2-pound. Right. I also think the exact thing you talked about with your price increase, I have had that conversation so many times, and people get terrified. But... My advice is do regular incremental increases and then you're not having to do a dollar or two dollars to make up for costs because your bags are more expensive, your labels are more expensive, printer ink is more expensive if you can find it. So that's, and I go back to Starbucks does it every year. They increase their prices. And so that's your way as a small business to make sure you protect yourself. And exactly that, those people that are loyal to you, it's not like they're gonna run screaming for the door. Mm -hmm. The very small amount of power I have as a consumer in this world is where I choose to spend money and who I choose to support with that money. And I think that that's, that's probably the way a lot of your customers are too. I could buy a lot of coffee out there. You can. And it's you know a minor difference in price. So why not why not buy from people that I feel good about and I know that I support their practices and principles. And so that's what I would encourage other roasters to think about too, rather than just fearing that everyone's going to run out the cafe or the shop door. I think we're pretty lucky to be in this part of the country, mm -hmm. particularly because Portland really is kind of a mecca for coffee. Mm -hmm. But we see it all over the place. The yeah. people I respect the most in the industry have all seen, had to see increases. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. Again, it's a business. I don't say this to pass any kind of judgment. You cannot build your entire menu off of $7 coffees. It's not doable. Would you take a second and explain the phrase $7 coffee? Yes. So thank you for asking all these questions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we look at right now, coffee prices on our website are anywhere from about three fifteen upwards of the most expensive coffee on there right now is $11. But mostly they hover, the most expensive coffees are in the $7 to $8 range. And what I mean by those is the lower, uh, lower price point coffees are going to be solid, easy, consistent Central and South American coffees. They're not going to knock your socks off, but you're not going to be mad at them. And that's what you can build a business around. Compared to these 7 to $8 coffees that are those really interesting, complex, 
different processing methods, small farms, small mill coffees, and then they're the most expensive coffees we buy. That's not what everybody's going to drink. And that's not what you buy pallets of. When I say you can't build a menu off of $8 coffees, that's what I mean. And and the thing to me is you need that spectrum of coffees. You need those, those 350 coffees. You need a little bit of the seven to $8 coffees, but it just be honest about it. Just, we all, we all want to make people happy. We all want to meet our market. So you got to buy to fit that. I don't know where I was going, but point being, you got to have a versatile menu. Yeah. Well, uh, right. uh, Carrie and I have slightly different takes on our menu. Like Mm -hmm. right now I'm, I'm rocking 13 single origin coffees. I feel like that's actually low for you. It is. Yeah. I've had to, I've had actually to trim six regular coffees. And we had to announce to people that we weren't going to be able to continue carrying them, at least not at this point, because of supply chain. Yes. Supply chain. <laughs> right. So if we want to get back to that, then the coffee gets to the country, right? Right. Somebody's got to take it off the container. Somebody's got to truck it to a warehouse. And then somebody's got to unload it at the warehouse. And then somebody's got to ship those coffees. Okay. So this is a perfect opportunity mm-hmm. to say thank you to everybody at Costa Oro. Yeah. Yeah. And to say thank you to you because of the shipping of your boxes. One of the things that Genuine Origin does for us is they actually offer 65 pound boxes. Now, usually bags come in between, say, 130 pounds and 153 pounds. So by doing a 65 pound box, we're able to go in and play with different coffees. That's why I have a secret menu. I really like having the secret Like an in-and-out secret menu? Yeah, like just just like that. Without... Like the Flying Dutchman in-and-out burger? You mean the mediocre burger? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> those are them fighting words. For those who don't know, I'm originally from Southern California, born and bred, and I live off of In-N-Out, so come at me, bro. Do but I love know. my In-N-Out. Do they okay. have to fight because I like Shake Shack better? Oh, oh, or yeah. Burgerville? Come well, you on. know what? No, no, no. No, Heck Burgerville no. chocolate and shakes. Their pumpkin shakes are not what they used to be. No, no, they're not, but they're Mary Berry shakes. Okay. Are. You know, Burger Burgerville's I, you know, it's it's doable. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say I? I? <laughs> well, Jen, are you going to jump in with I? Eat? I I'm going to stay here. Okay, <laughs> good. Smart. Very smart. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I think Okay, this wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Peace. Okay. Peace. Peace. Yeah, we're we're not here criticizing. Wow, you're putting up the the peace. You actually did the two fingers. Yeah, I did. Do peace. Uh, Well, you know, dude, love. For those who don't know, I'm from San Francisco. That's like a hand sign. I like to do that instead of flipping people off when I'm driving. Oh, do you flip people off where you're? No, but I yell in the car a lot. Oh, yeah. But I will (laughs) peace sign people if it's especially egregious. You know what? That's great. I, I'm going to use that. Or yeah. a thumbs up. <laughs> oh, yeah. That this, confuses people. Uh-huh. Or waving. Uh-huh. Waving at people. It gets uh, that them even more conf- mad. <laughs> that doesn't even confuse people. It just makes them angry. Hey, yeah. you made a mistake. <laughs> but, yeah, I think overall this is an ideal time for roasters and small business owners to really be looking at their costs and making sure that they're building in those margins and that they know who they're trying to reach with their coffees in the first place. Because goodness knows I love a branding and company values conversation more than anything. So how are we doing? Oh, y'all are doing great. You know exactly who you are and who you're trying to sell to. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Appreciate that. 
All right, you ready to jump? Yeah. All right. Second side, this was talking about sustainability. And I know from experience that that is one of your absolute favorite subject matters. It's true. Yeah, it's okay. And honestly, you set a good example for the rest of us. So what do we have that's going on sustainability and what's new? Yeah. So backing up, when I saw the job get posted for Genuine Origin, the thing that really drew me in about it was the work going on at Origin. Because Genuine Origin actually came out of an internal sustainability initiative from Volcafe called Volcafe Way. They hired a couple hundred agronomists and field techs in coffee producing communities. Wait a minute. Agronomists? Yeah, people that that study agriculture. I'm sorry that I did not know that yeah. word. Yeah, that's a five star word. Yeah, that was a too big of a word for me to process. <laughs> <laughs> people that study agriculture. So the thing, but the yeah. the thing that really got me is it's not like they sent a bunch of flannel wearing yahoos from Portland. They hired people out of the coffee producing communities who have been there, whose families have worked in this industry rather than us coming down there and trying to white savior ourselves into sustainability. This went on for two years before Go actually launched, but what they started doing was gathering data on how coffees were being produced, what was going into the earth, what was coming out, what kind of costs were associated with it, what kind of production was coming out of that. They started offering free education to farmers, and that was all with no strings attached. You don't have to sell us coffee, but we're happy to teach you how to run your farm in a way that's going to make you more money over the long term. We're always first in line to buy the coffee because that's the best way for us to reinvest in the program. And if you didn't know, I am also a former social worker. And so this whole opportunity tugged at my heart and almost it'll be five years in March that I've been at Go. And so that's what appealed to me was the availability and the work going on at Origin. Because like you mentioned, 65 pound boxes, right? Like you can buy one and have the same access and the same quality and know what's going on behind the coffee. And having worked with so many small business owners over the years, that was really exciting to me because I feel like no one teaches you how to source coffee. And if you're new or small, it's really hard to justify a bag or two that's costing you $250 to ship. And that, so all of that was really exciting to me, but that's your context. So now what's going on, we're doing a little more work on our internal sustainability stuff and it's getting a little more broad. I We're just still in the goal setting phase right now. So there's not a lot to talk about, but there's a lot of, a lot of cool things happening. I know I get these questions all the time, you know, about labor in coffee and it's so different everywhere. There's no one size fits all answer to sustainability in coffee. There are different issues wherever you go. Guatemala is the easiest for me to talk about because I've visited a few times. And so I've actually gotten to see what Volcafe Way is doing for the producers that sell coffee to us and that get that training. I think... Oh, yeah, go ahead. We don't know. Deep dive in there. What, yeah. Please tell us a little more about Yeah, about so that. I think definitely for the consumers and maybe even for some of our roaster friends out there, people don't understand what it takes to grow coffee and the years of effort it takes before you have enough to actually sell. When you look at a lot of these farms where they've been run generationally by families, they just keep doing what they've been doing. They may not keep books. They may have no idea what they're spending or making. They may... Like pruning, 
I know we over-romanticize origin trips, but I, for me, what was really helpful was having watched so many videos and read so many articles about coffee pr- production and coffee milling. It didn't, the process didn't really click for me until I was standing. You were right a, there yeah, and in person. Yeah, I could see all of it and understand it. Right. Right. So. Well, I was able to see that personally for the first time in 2010. Yeah. It was really eye-opening to see mm-hmm. people putting all that manual labor. Mm-hmm into creating a great coffee. Right. And yeah. Oh, sorry, oh no. <laughs> I was going to say, because I, for me, I'm fairly new to mm-hmm. the coffee roasting scene and learning about coffee farms and just hearing all these mm-hmm. amazing stories about people going to the actual coffee farms and the origins and what they see, what they process. I haven't had that opportunity oh, to go. Oh, you will. Oh, I will. I oh, will. Oh, you will. I will. But I'm just saying that for me as a newer roaster, because I haven't had these opportunities because of COVID and everything else going on in the world, I'm missing out on really understanding the learning process because there's only so much that you could watch so many YouTube like a videos. Like close-up of a, of a depulper. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's only so much YouTube you can watch. Mm -hmm. There's only so much you can listen to, Mm -hmm. like from podcasts and whatnot. But I feel that being there in person, like, I think that would really, really help me as not only a business owner, but Mm -hmm. as a roaster to really grasp Mm -hmm. um, what it really, really takes when it comes to processing the coffee. And like you were saying, Tim, I will eventually be there. I got my passport. It's ready to go. And it's know, just, you know, it, I, yeah. I've been in coffee for almost 23 years. My first origin trip, I was 19 years in. Wow. So it wasn't that long ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah my, and, you know, I've been, I've been roasting since 1982, but I didn't actually go to origin until 2010. Okay. So I yeah. don't feel like super no, no, no. terrible. No. Well, and I think it's. There are a lot of things to think about with traveling to coffee producing regions, even aside from the pandemic carbon footprint and what your goals are and what you're trying to do. I think it's a it's a very complex thing to think about. And just traveling to go party and drink is maybe not the tack I would take. No, <laughs> but it does happen. Oh. Uh, you know, I'm not really much of an alcohol drinker. Yeah. I'm just I'm good with coffee, man. Like coffee's my jam. I'll yeah. be all jazzed oh, up. Oh, boy. No, but, you know, I just wanted to touch base real quick here. You know, it's like even though I haven't visited a coffee Mm -hmm. farm, does that make me feel less appreciative for coffee? Absolutely not. Mm -mm. Because from what I learned with you and from Mm -hmm. other green coffee importers and what I have read and understood about the efforts that take for these coffee Mm -hmm. farmers to produce the coffee that we consider like a luxury or something that we drink on like daily that we take for granted Mm -hmm. We need to highlight those farmers Absolutely. and the people that work on the farms, yep. be able to provide for those families. And I really appreciate the the transparency in how I work with Genuine Origin. Mm-hmm. I work with you and I mm-hmm. we work with the select amount of the green coffee importers because they have these programs yeah. in place to support the farmers. That's my thing. Yeah. And when customers come in, uh, I have... Our buddy Noreen, she has a picture of the coffee cherries. You've probably seen mm-hmm. that in the cafe. A lot of the people that walk in don't realize that 
The coffee bean is actually the seed of a cherry. Oh, how many times have you said coffee is the seed of a fruit? Yes, yes. and I have to point to the picture, uh-huh. and people's eyes get so wide open, like, wow. And I said, you know, there's a lot of farmers who handpick those, mm-hmm. who probably don't have the equipment. They're out there for 12 hours out in the fields individually handpicking those. Mm-hmm. And people are just like, really? I'm like, yeah. Well, because handpicking the coffee is also going to steer us toward more consistent higher quality too right if we're not if we're not doing mechanical harvesting and having machines go through and just grab all the coffee if we have people on on farms who know what ripeness they're looking for taking us back to guatemala you know stuff i just didn't know because also i have zero green thumb i killed the one plant i have um so there's just a lot i don't know about plants you're never allowed to touch a coffee plant. I won't, I promise. Well, okay. I, t- I touch my coffee plant all the time. I have a, I have Wilbert. Mm-hmm. He is my coffee tree that I've had for a little over a year now. Wilbert mm-hmm. came from Kona, Hawaii. I'm terrible. I don't have a green thumb. Nope. But somehow, Wilbert is still kicking, and nice. it's going to probably take about another two or three mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. for him to produce coffee. Yep. So I, I'm trying all I can to make sure that Wilbert is kicking. When I talk about my lack of green thumb, I didn't know that when a part of a coffee, like a branch on a coffee tree produces, it doesn't produce again. I did not know that. Pruning is really important. So one of the farms I visited when I was last in Guatemala, which has been a few years, but one of the big things was helping set up pruning schedules rather than just, hey, we're gonna prune all the ugly trees or we're gonna prune everything. The Volcafe Way techs will help them set up three, six, even nine-year pruning schedules so that you're only pruning sections so you always have something with production. Oh, yeah. Because so, it takes, a, once like you, you prune... three years, right? Yeah. 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 So once you printed, that's mm-hmm. still the same amount as... Mm-hmm. The, wow. Okay. That, that makes sense. So they do work around that. I know another big one is fertilizer. So yes. helping with soil analysis so that farmers can find more effective fertilizer so they're not just throwing down ounces of fertilizer that that aren't as effective and costing them money. I know that another big help has been with actually keeping books and keeping track of the inputs. So that's, you know, fertilizer and anything like that. And with tracking labor, because a lot of coffee farms don't employ people. Well, they don't employ a full staff year round because the coffees around the world are harvested at different times. Those are some of the things that that have gone on in Guatemala. I know in Uganda, Chagalani, our operation there, has worked really hard to offer parents child care and help with schools because child labor is such an issue in Uganda. Right. And so they look to find ways to support parents so they're not sending their kids to pick coffee. Um, That's one that we were really especially proud of. Was it 2018? They Chagalani won a sustainability award from Rainforest Alliance for that work. And so that continues on to this day. And I know that's a concern. I still I get asked that kind of question a lot. Um, and like I said, it's different everywhere. So. Oh, I, I did want to ask about quality assurance. Mm-hmm. When it comes to quality assurance, I get a ton of questions about farmers markets. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Tim has, too. I know where this is going. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Are you going to ask me about mycotoxins? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you don't feel comfortable okay. with it, well, I will totally talk about it. It's just so silly. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah, let's, uh, yeah, give us an explanation about how, why this is such a huge topic well, and, and what's the best way that, uh, you know, a roaster can yes, know. That's the more important piece, yeah. right? Like, how do you talk to your customers? Is this all because of bulletproof, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Because the water that we wash coffee with is dirty, right? That's what, uh, you know, right. that's the thing that drives me insane. I know. It, it, anyway, mycotoxins are a form of mold. And what do you need for mold to exist? Moisture and heat. And if we didn't process our coffees properly, then they could get moldy. But that would impact the score. Correct. And then we probably wouldn't buy them. And that's where quality assurance comes in. Yeah. And we, you know, that's the thing that I have to explain to people yep. is that when it comes to specialty grade mm -hmm. coffee, mm -hmm. if the coffee is harvested, it's it's going through the coffee process. There yeah. is always a quality assurance mm -hmm. grader that will be there. They are specifically trained to make sure that there's no bug infestation mm -hmm. and fungus and the myo myotoxins and yeah, the so mold, basically, yeah. Really, the big thing with the mycotoxins conversation is that we dry our coffees properly to a sufficient amount. And if, well, the coffees we buy are dried properly. And if they weren't, that's when we would have those issues. But like I said, those would really heavily impact the score. And then we wouldn't buy those coffees. There are also, mycotoxins are also in a lot of household stuff. There's that. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. No. That's like um that's I don't I don't want to compare that to like, you know, dry aging meat, right? Right. Uh I mean, dry aging meat is totally a different form of process. Yeah. But the similarities between those are percentages of moisture. Right. And we get all Correct. that information. Yeah. Everything, so you know, order give or take in that 11 to 12 percent range outside so of sumatras the idea and just as a note 11 to 12 percent is less than bone dry there's very little moisture the average human is what 84 percent moisture 80 90 something like that it's yeah. a lot yeah so it's way the other end of the spectrum and then you know you can get into roasting and cooking things off but there's so much variability in that that I wouldn't I wouldn't make an assessment based on that. But the fact that the coffee is processed properly and safely is really all that people need to know. Exactly. Exactly. This is the thing we we do not build our reputations on coffees that are going to make people sick. Heck no. Exactly. And like, if I get a coffee and I see there's <laughs> quote unquote, I'm using finger quotations, mm -hmm. signs of mold. You know, I'm going to be calling my green coffee importer like right what now and happened? be like, girl, yeah. dude, what's going on? Yeah, totally. Yeah. As you should. Like, there are always going to be issues with some coffees. I expect a certain level of defects or imperfections in some coffees, depending on where they're from and what quality they are. But you should always have that relationship where you can call that person up and say, hey, what happened? Where's the breakdown? Exactly. So, right. well, thank you for touching base on that. Oh, I, of course. I know. I, I get that question a lot. I have, I, I'm I have sure a copy you do. Paste email for it. <laughs> 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 but 
That's efficiency at its hey. absolute finest. Control C, control V. How about this? How about just a, a subject matter? What do you see coming down the pike for coffee? What might be new coming down the pike? Yeah. So one of the things I'm really excited about and that is very close to my heart is La, our Guatemala La Morena. So it's our women's lot from Guatemala. I love that coffee. Me love too. that coffee. Such an amazing, such an amazing program. But yeah, yeah, keep going. It's so when the first year I was here and we brought in, I if anybody doesn't know, I started six months after Go launched. We brought in 35 boxes of La Morena and it sold. And we were all really excited because it was from these three women farmers. Our head of QC is a woman. We've got a couple women on the sales team. Like we're just excited about all of this. Uh, Maria in our office in Guatemala helps with the whole process. And then the next year we brought in like maybe half a container. Give people an idea of what a container is. For us, it's 640 boxes. So about 320 bags. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of coffee for it those is. who don't oh, know. Yeah, that's a lot. But, a yeah, lot. the first year we brought in a container of La Marina was two years ago. And I think it sold, you know, we, that usually lands in about June. And we sold it out in March. And we felt really good about that. And then 2021, we brought in a full container again, and it was gone by October. And so the support for this program. So it's historically... It's been about two dozen farmers. They're all women in Huehuetenango in Guatemala. And this year, I was just talking to my boss about it today. I think we booked three or three and a half containers. And I think we may even have a couple of varieties wow. this year. So oh, Okay, so I'm, I'm going to bring it back for people who might Please not do. know. Um, a container has to go through a certain amount of approvals to mm -hmm. get in. Generally, it's about 320 bags of coffee. Each bag is about 130 mm -hmm. pounds, about 60 kilograms. You can do the, the math on that. The second part of this is that within that, you have several different varieties mm -hmm. that can come in. A couple of popular varieties. Go ahead, Jen. What's popular? Oh, you know, we love our Bourbons. I, I will drink some SL28, some Katura. We want to get fancy. We can get into our Geshas. Yeah, well, that's one of my faves. I do but. know that about you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and the other cool part. So the reason that La Marina is important to me is because coffee is a very male-dominated industry across the board around the world. Yes. It is the reality. And a lot of times... Women don't have as much power in how the business is run or the finances. And so being able to support women-owned farms helps bring some gender equity to things that I think is really important. And the other cool part of that is we partner with the Wakami Foundation. There are some coffee friends out there that will know the Wakami Foundation because they make the little braided bands that go around Ron Zacapa rum, which is made in Guatemala. But... We work with the Wakami Foundation to do bracelets just for every single box of Guatemala La Morena. And what those do is it helps contribute to small businesses owned by women. I stand very strongly in the belief that some of the best roasters I know are females. I am Heck graced yeah. with a bunch of very talented females that I work with around. And I'm here to tell you that I could learn 
a lot more. Um, I just want to give a quick shout to Carrie. Absolutely. Here, who is fantastically talented. And of course, Noreen, but I also want to name by name mm-hmm. um, one of my new employees, Sharia Bodnar, who is, is awesome. And amazing. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. That's the thing about this. I've always felt that there should be more equity. There should be more equity. We need to bring more females into this. Just be like me and show up at everything and never stop talking. I already do that. I mean, for me as a woman, I feel like that's how I've gotten my career. Okay, well, I'm working I just with go you. to a lot of things and I meet a lot of people. Well, huh. and you know what? When you were describing La Morena mm-hmm. and like you were kind of talking about the program mm-hmm. and stuff like that, in like the inequality that mm-hmm. is in the industry, I just wanted to jump up on this table and say yes, yeah, yes, because <laughs> that that it is it is so true. And I feel that there's more and more women up and coming Mm -hmm. within the coffee industry. And I feel very, very fortunate that um, I'm, as a business owner and a roaster of my very own company, being 100% female owned, there is an empowerment that happens. uh, That I'm able to produce something and roast something and represent Mm -hmm. something, especially when it comes to different farms and where I'm sourcing my coffee and I can represent that. And it just, it feels so good to have that empowerment. Well, I also do want to give a shout out to my wife, Holly, who is the majority owner of my company. We have to give some, some love to the female veterans. Yes, Holly, for sure. But I, I also, I think you're right. I think we've seen a lot of really cool, communities and support groups come out of coffee in the last couple of years that have really helped to bring attention and opportunities to marginalized people because coffee is a lot of white dudes. I agree. I, I, no, no, no offense meant here, but it's well, no, and none taken. I, I think that, uh, I think the promising thing is that we see an influx of every other shade of, of, of color, of person, of style. And it's, it's hard. People have to look beyond hiring themselves. And you need to look to hire and support people who are different from you and f- give people opportunities. And so we've been fortunate to have, you know, programs like Glitter Cat or Get You Some Gear or GoFundBean that are all programs to help offer skills, gear, training competition to people who don't normally get it don't be afraid to dig in a little bit and give us a little explanation on all three yeah so glitter cat i think was the first one and glitter cat started out as a competition training program you had to apply to it in fact our our friend emily smith is a glitter cat Hello, Emily. Hey, Emily. We uh-huh. still didn't forget you, Emily. We didn't forget you. Coffee coffee competitions are really expensive to get into, and you have to have all your gear, and you have to have, you have to practice, and you it's it's a lot of resources and travel, and not everyone works for a company that's going to pay for all that, and so Glittercat was one of the first to come out and offer a really comprehensive program, and they brought in some incredible industry veterans who've competed and worked in this for a long time and helped train people to then send them to competitions. And now they've pivoted into a really cool online format. And then they they also did the DigiSniff 
the scratch and sniff competition a few months ago if you guys did that we did not it was fun no it was fun and it was hard okay it was like 30 scratch and sniff attributes wow yeah i do follow uh, glitter cat Mm -hmm. on instagram yeah and i have to say one of the people that i really have been kind of like admiring Mm -hmm. is why is her name leaving me right now bailey berg oh bailey engberg yes rad yes i for some reason there's something about bailey that's really really magical Mm -hmm. and every time i hear a conversation an interview that she talks it's so refreshing and so nice to hear because she's so empowered she's so in tune with her culture and that what i really love about her is that she is very mindful about the environment mm-hmm. and the environment as far as the impact of the car waste. Yeah. And she's talked about past crop yep. coffees in the past. Yeah. And I have to, and I just, when I heard her talk about past crop coffees, I just stood up and I just clapped. I was like, yes, girl. Absolutely. She, yeah. And, and I have used past crop coffees mm-hmm. uh for those who don't know what past crop coffees is is that when coffee is fresh and harvested uh there is a time frame where that coffee it will last for about a year mm-hmm. until the or until the next crop comes depending, in depending on where it's from some coffees age better some coffees age worse exactly and through time though that past crop mm-hmm. coffee some will fade out and some just don't have the strong uh, flavor or aromas when it's roasted but with her talking about using the past crop coffees and how you can just take it and make it as magical it to me i i really appreciated mm-hmm. that there's something there that i really appreciate with yeah. bailey and i hope one of these days i can get to meet her um i probably go goo goo gaga to me she's like a celebrity in the coffee industry like i'm not worthy bailey hi <laughs> Bailey is one of those people that I have been very, very fortunate to build a friendship with in the last couple of years. And I admire her a lot. And she's very outspoken and very, very supportive and encouraging and innovative. And I got that coffee from Matchbook that she did. Wow. The the past crop one. Yes. And it came with... A, f- a fry bread yes. thing, and I can't wait to make it because I don't bake, but I love fry bread. So, mm. but yeah, I it, it's we're fortunate to have people speaking up for things like that. And she also, yeah, she was in Glitter Cat, and then we have programs like Get You Some Gear, which is a group that provides gear, so coffee brewing equipment and coffee to people that don't have access or money, and they've done some grant stuff, and they've done a separate account for like mental health support because I think we all deal with that in coffee, right? And being very front of house for a lot of it yeah, yeah. can be really draining. Even if it's a job we love, it takes a lot. I agree Boy. a thousand percent yeah, on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm right on board Yeah, with that and then you well. have GoFundBean, which has helped do grants and fundraising for people who recently they've been focusing on baristas and coffee professionals whose livelihoods have been impacted by COVID. So I want to make sure that you state all three of those names again very clearly so people can can actually send help. Yeah, I think right these days, the best way I think to find people is Instagram. Glitter Cat, 
which is that competition support and education group. And then we've got Get You Some Gear, which is G-E-T-C-H-U, Some Gear. And they help support copy professionals with equipment and gear. And they do fun raffles for fundraising for stuff. And then we also have GoFundBean, who does various grants and financial support. So, And they're actually getting ready to start their mentorship program again. So if there are any coffee professionals out there who want a mentor or want to be a mentee, now is the time to apply. There you go. There you go. Give back. Yes. I have been more educated today. I try. Than I have been the last two years. This has been really great. All three of us sitting down, Mm -hmm. having a conversation, that human interaction, and just yeah. being able to talk about something that all three of us are very passionate about and that we can nerd out all day. But it's time to wrap up the show, though. <laughs> I don't like the French press. You don't like the French press? I just have to say that. Well, wait what? A minute. What? <laughs> what? What? I prefer a clever for my full immersion. Well, okay. I like the filter. Okay, fair enough. Maybe you're just doing it too coarse or not coarse enough. I haven't owned one in years, but I when I listened to that episode, I was like, I, ha- I I'm going to start a fight. <laughs> That's okay. I know people hate Chemexes, and I uh, like them. No, so, I don't hate the Chemex. You know. I just like it more with the cone filter. Yeah, no. At the end of the day, all I care about is that people have coffee that makes them happy. I don't like French oh press. Come at me, bro. You. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I, I'll tell you what. You know where French press comes in great? When everything else is broken. Yes. Like, I hear this from, from I don't know one Kerrig owner that doesn't also own a French press. I'm serious. Every single one that owns a Kerrig owns a French press. I keep- no, no. Stop. 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 It's okay. It's okay. Wait, wait. Don't do it. No, no, no. You know, I know Keurig owners that have a Mr. Coffee in case their Keurig machine breaks down or they're out of pods. And then they use stale coffee that's been sitting in their cupboard for six months. Or longer. I mean, or longer. I have three-month-old coffee in my kitchen. Yeah, but what? Well, the, are you feeding months, your cats with it? No, I brew. I, I'm very fortunate. I buy a lot of coffee and I get given a lot of coffee. And I brew multiple batches of everything. But then I like curate little coffee care packages for people and share. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. But yeah, I also, I know you have to do your wrap up, but I thank you for making the time and you can throw my Instagram tag in there. If anybody wants to hit me up, they can. Do it. Oh, I am at Jennifer. That's Jennifer with one N. At Jennifer, J-E-N-I-F-E-R-H-U-R-D. If you want something besides coffee, you can also follow After Meowers, my account for my cats. The, the important thing, I think, is that we keep having dialogues and we keep learning things and sharing. The learning curve for coffee is so much shorter than it used to be. It, and I really firmly believe that one of the only ways that you're doing coffee wrong is if you're not learning. There's so many yeah. right answers. Yeah. The, it, we talk about that a lot, don't we? Yeah. And I think it's really important as owners of a coffee roasting company is that our job is not only to provide the quality of coffee. Mm-hmm but to educate people yeah. uh, into the sustainability yeah. and understand that what they have is so precious and not to take it for granted mm-hmm. because they have to think about how that coffee is produced and how it's made here 
um, the whole entire process when it comes to coffee from point A to point B. And that doesn't even touch climate change. Nope, not oh, at all. Man. That's a whole nother subject. Yeah. We'll have to bring you back in on... 10 years yeah. to see <laughs> if we still have coffee. No, no. No, no wait, no. no. Uh, what I was saying is <laughs> I... I, I I would love to bring you back on oh, sure. for another episode. We can touch base on climate change and maybe we can um, we can also have maybe someone else also come on to the show and touch base. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I um, do too. There's so much. Yeah, there's so much out there. And you know a lot of really great, talented people. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Today. okay. Okay. So I, I want to give a shout out to a couple of people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the Oregon Coffee Board. Oh, hey. And the reason for that is the Oregon Coffee Board is one of the most cooperative groups I've ever known. People there are super helpful, lots of amazing professionals, lots of people you can ask for help from, and everybody is willing. And I will say as the president of the board, I know we've been a little quiet the last year. It's really hard to run an events-focused nonprofit in a pandemic. And we're working on some new projects that I think will be really fun and not on Zoom because we're all kind of zoomed out is the other part. Yeah. So do stay tuned. Keep on our social media because there's going to be some fun stuff happening. We're actually having a big planning meeting tomorrow. Remember, Oregon Coffee Board's a nonprofit. It's true. Mm -hmm. We are here to help support and uplift coffee professionals and consumers. Okay, Jen, give us a second shout out. Ooh, I know. So... One of my dearest friends owns a couple of cafes and a roaster in town, but also just started a second project with an Oatly scholarship, and it is called Community Funded Coffee. So this is from the owners of Gilder. Mike and I used to teach together, and he is just one of the best people I know. And what they're working on is transparency and paying for coffee ahead of its harvest even. So you can commit to coffee now that you'll get in a few months, but what they're working on is really like, they're all about cost of production and transparency and sharing that and helping farmers work to make things sustainable. We do like Mike and we really love Gilder. Community funded coffee. Thank you. Check it out. All right, so you're going to get a second one in a sec. Okay. Okay. All right, Carrie, let's hear it. So my shout out is to Billy Ingberg of Gilder. Uh, She's the head roaster there. And I just want to say uh, thank you for inspiring women who are in the coffee industry and being able to share your energy across the world. And one of these days, I would love to meet you, um, have a roasting session because you're an amazing person. And thank you for being awesome. Road trip. Road trip. Road trip. Field trip. Yeah. It's like 15 minutes from my house. Sweet. Uh, Also, if you follow She's the Roaster. I do. That's Bailey. Yes. Yeah. I bought a shirt and she commented. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Y'all wear that at the roastery. I do. The purple one? Yes. It's really good. That one? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. The purple and coral one? Yeah. It's really good. Okay. They did one before that with cats on it. I also have that one. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay. So... I'll give my second shout out today. I want to give a shout out to my newest employee, Bowie. Bowie has uh, come on board uh, and is going to be helping us not only around the roaster, 
but doing things like helping us at farmer's markets. By the way, quick shout out to farmer's markets. We are going to end up being at Sunnyside, and we're going to end up being in Hawthorne. Nice. Two brand new markets for us. I'm so excited to be there. Thank you. Thank you, Bowie. We appreciate you. I was thinking about this one, and I kept going back to the same person, and that is Marcus Young, who is at Cropster now, but formerly at Boot Coffee Campus, and Batdorf and Bronson, and Central City Coffee, and Sustainable Harvest, and I met Marcus when I was at KNF, and he was at Batdorf, and we were doing a demo. We were both doing coffee demos at the Laurelhurst Whole Foods, and we just started talking, and I judged my first throwdown with him, and I was so nervous. And so I've known Marcus for a long, long time. Like He's a reference on my resume. And he has always been one of the most supportive and encouraging coffee friends I could ask for he anytime I've had like any off the wall thing it's like do you have time to talk and he always makes time for me and I feel like we all need those really awesome cheerleaders in our coffee life and I'm very very grateful for him and his wife Devora is also awesome also if you're a roaster you gotta use some kind of tracking software and Cropster is one of the really great options out there by the way, we do love Marcus. Marcus is so great. We do. We love Marcus. So he's only been at Cropster for a few months, but I'm sure he's already making great changes for them. So Good. that's awesome. So that's my other one. All right. You hit it. Give All me right. one more. I think my biggest shout out is to my customers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I might cry on this one, but... You know, my my customers are the ones who inspire me to keep going every single day. There are days where I have my bad times and I have my good times. But the fact is, is that I have people who come in through the door every single day and they come in. Um, so I had a person come in and they were like, my French press is really bad because it tasted really watery. And... I took the time to show them how to properly make a French press. To seeing the look on the faces of people when I inspire them, I can show them this is how you can produce an amazing cup of coffee. It is night and day difference what you can see on their face. Because not only do I have the tools to show them how to do it and replicate it at home, but they get to actually taste it. And they can taste it and be like, okay, this is so much better than how I'm making it at home giving them the tools and giving them the knowledge and education on how to brew an amazing cup of coffee to change their day. They really appreciate that and that they come back to Elliot and Murray because not only just because I'm a local coffee roaster and I'm female to own, like that's great and all, but what they're coming in for is for the experience. They get the one-on-one connection and that is really what inspires Elliot and Murray. And that's, what helped me keep going every single day. So to all my customers who have been there since the beginning, I love you and I support you. And thank you very much for being an inspiration to me. Here, here. Coffee is so magical, isn't it? That it when is. you have that moment with somebody, the impact you can have on their day. Yep. Just through hospitality, at least a decent coffee, if not something that totally opens them up to a new world of what coffee can be. 
Yeah, we. I think we're all in that all in that space. And none of us pay as much for coffee as we should at the end of the day. No, it's. I had true. to throw it in there. Well, come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> come on. But it's true. It's, it's it's. I think that's what that is what keeps a lot of us here. Exactly. Carrie, have fun time. This is a great session. It was definitely great. And until the next podcast, guys. Cheers. Everybody have a good one. Peace out. Bye. Thanks, Jen. Bye. Bye.